Stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hello, hello. I thought we were counting down. That's what took me so long to come in. (laughs) You guys don't know what we have to do before we get on the air, but hello. Welcome (laughs) back to Raising Joy. I know I sound kind of strange, don't I? I think you just have the same thing that everybody has. Yeah, I had the gunk. I don't know Mm. what that was. I didn't feel bad. I didn't have a fever, but I coughed my head off, and it was always a productive cough. (laughs) If you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. Um, mm-hmm. But because of the cough, I think it makes me sound like that smoky lounge singer. <laughs> please. We're, gonna, we're taking the jazz, jazz yeah. club after. Yeah, please <laughs> tip your waitress. <laughs> and I'm here all week. <laughs> so anyway, but I feel fine. Everything is good. I've just got that scratchy voice. But, you know, thank you for joining us yes. on Raising Joy. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Kristen Perch. How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, man, it was good. How was yours? I worked. Um, I know. It is what it is. It's just part of the job. You know. But it was fine. Like, it was really low-key and easy and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm glad it was low-key and easy. Yes. That's kind of unheard of. It was like, to be honest with you, it's like the best four days I've had covering the unit ever. So, yeah. Oh, my word. I just like, I'm just trying to stay quiet about it and walk away. <laughs> don't say don't anything else because the next time it may it may blow up. I know. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, that was, was really fine. good. So I'm thankful. Yeah, that's great. I I went to Oklahoma to see my family, and uh, we just kind of hung out, all of us with the grandkids, and you know, it was just a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. And for an introvert, it was a lot. But you know, I love my family, and we ate a lot, and. We played, and uh, okay, so one thing that happened, my father is in the military, right? He was in the military. My father has has passed on, or he died several years ago. Okay. So uh, my father um, was the president of the Homeowners Association for our subdivision where I grew up. Okay. And he was that president for many, many, many years. Okay. And so after he passed away, the uh, subdivision named a spray park. They have a spray park there in the so, so they named it after him. That's awesome. And so all of us got, we, this has happened several years ago, but we'd never gotten together as a family and went to the sign and got a picture, yeah. you know, with the grandkids and the great grandkids. And so that was, that was fun. So we did that. So That's anyway. awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was great. A lot of good food. A uh, lot, a lot of family time. I was glad to get away. Because, <laughs> you know, you guys know me because, you know, too many people, too much, too long. It's overwhelming yes. for yes. me. Yes, you're like I just need to. And so I need a day to kind of you know recharge and yes, you know just calm down, be in my pajamas, and not have to talk. Yes, yes. not have to talk. So anyway, and I think some for someone in communication who's yeah. always on, people yeah. just expect you to be at always on. No. No. And, and like that's exhausting. It is exhausting. It yeah. really, really is. If I've had a long day where I've you know had a lot of meetings and we were really into it, and I come home and I'm just I'm on the couch. Yeah, I, I can't move. That's a and lot. my poor dog is like, "Are you gonna walk me?" I know, but he's also really cute and probably enjoys the snuggles. Yeah, he does. He does. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, 
You know, but when we think of the holidays, most of us really think about good food and just like I were talking about family gatherings and and beautiful holiday direction, you know, decorations. We we think of that. And for many people, that's it's a happy time. Yeah. It's a really happy time. But on the other hand, you kind of have to think about people who come into this this season who are not happy. Yeah. Um, you know, they may have lost a loved one or they are not, you know, things aren't as they imagine, you know, when they have a holiday. And and so it becomes really tough. So tough. Um, you know, and you have to think about um, there are people who have a different story. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so today we want to talk about, like, how to help families who mm-hmm. are going through that. And I think, you know, for a lot of folks, even if someone passed a year ago or passed six months ago, there's nothing that reminds you more of that mm. than like the empty chair mm. at the table, mm-hmm. you know, of like, because mm. it just brings back like, oh, this is whenever we should be making cookies with grandma. This is whenever we should be wrapping presents with mom. This yeah. is when we should be, you know, like right. talking to my friend. And so I just, yeah, it's a really hard time. Yeah, but, it can be. It can yeah. be. And so, you know, we have to be kind of sensitive to that when you're talking to people about, hey, how was your holiday? It was great. I was alone. You know, you have to be kind of sensitive to that. So anyway, yeah. but, you know, this year, um, part of the reason for for what we're doing, you know, today is that tragedy struck in Fort Worth. Um, there was a loss of a well-known businessman and father along with his two kids, and that's affecting people of all ages. And because those children were lost, that that really, of course, always brings up something for us since we work at a yeah. children's hospital. Um, and many people, are, you know, many parents are looking for guidance on how do you handle that? How do you speak to children? And so because you nor well, you could speak to it, but I could never speak to it. But we have others with us. Yes. Who expert, can help ex, us. The super experts. Yeah, who can help us. So. Yeah. So today's guests um, help families with grief on a daily basis. I don't know how you do what you do. Um, we have the director of spiritual care, Miss Jennifer Hayes is back. Hey. Yay. Yeah. And um, our child life uh, specialist, Hannah Boyd, um, and they provide um, support and compassion um, to our patients and caregivers um, throughout the hospital. And also the staff members, like you guys do such great work and such great support of us. So yeah, we're, we're glad you're here. Welcome to Raising Joy. Well, I thank you for having us. It's good to be here. <laughs> you know, you guys, um, okay, so Jennifer, you were in spiritual care and Hannah is in child life. Let's let's talk about what those roles actually are and what they look like. Start with you. So child life and chaplains are besties. Are they really? <laughs> no, That's yeah. really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, a lot of our roles do play off of each other. There's parts of our scopes that kind of overlap mm-hmm. and that's okay mm-hmm. because we each look through different lens as we are approaching and talking with patients and talking with families, but also we complement each other a lot mm. and very well. So mm. that's always nice. But the majority of my scope focuses on the emotional and spiritual support of patients and their families. And so what are those rituals um, that are helpful when they are in the hospital, when they are feeling stressed, when they are feeling overwhelmed. Is there a special prayer? Is there mm-hmm. a special food? Is there mm-hmm. a ceremony that goes along um, that helps patients and families calm down? Um, do we just need to take a break? 
and, you know, create a Zen space so that families can just kind of exist in that moment Mm. without worrying about the next. Mm. So my role is to really to go in and just to kind of help facilitate to make sure that the spiritual and emotional needs are being met. And Hannah, from a child life specialist standpoint, what's your lens? Yeah, so our background is in child development. So we really provide a lot of developmental and emotional support to kids in the hospital. So part of what we do is help them understand at a level that makes sense to them. What is the hospital? What are you seeing, hearing, doing, feeling in this environment? Mm -hmm. Kind of breaking down that information and helping them get it a little more, taking some of the fear away. We use a lot of play and activities to help them learn and help them cope while they're in the hospital. Mm. So we're really, we really just try to advocate for them to help them feel a little safer, to help them have their voice, to help them have some control and some normalcy in an environment that is really not normal for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everything we do is just to kind of help make their hospital stay easier. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's for the child in the hospital, but... Their siblings too. Yes, usually. Because exactly. mm-hmm. a child never comes without an entourage. Right. <laughs> so you've got to deal with the totality of yes. that. And a hospital stay affects the whole family. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and we, we often say siblings are the forgotten patient. Right. So you're right. We, we really do try to focus on the siblings as well. Working in the ICU, I do a lot of sibling support of mm-hmm. helping the siblings know what they're going to see when they visit for the first time, answering questions they might have. Just kind of being a person that they can talk to mm. um, and hang out with. And again, using play for them is big too, to help them feel a little more comfortable in the room, a little more comfortable touching their brother or sister that might have a lot of lines and machines mm-hmm. and Connected stuff around them. them. Mm-hmm. So we do definitely work with the whole family. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, because... Jennifer, you were talking about the roles being very similar. How do you guys support one another without stepping on each other's toes? Yeah, so we kind of just play off of each other's strengths. Mm -hmm. So um, part of the child's work is to play, and Mm -hmm. that is how they make meaning of things that are happening around them. And so how can I um, meet a child's developmental needs? I may be not quite so sure. So I Mm -hmm. go to Hannah and say, hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking with this family and with this patient. What are your thoughts? Sometimes Mm -hmm. that means we go and do um, something, a visit together, or we play together, but we kind of bring that spiritual lens um, Mm -hmm. to it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're playing with two little cars with a three-year-old, and the cars are talking to each other, and then all of a sudden the cars morph into what the three-year-old is thinking instead Mm -hmm. of just the cars and what's important to the three-year-old and Mm -hmm. things like that. So um, we really just kind of bounce those sort of ideas off of each other we enter into that same space because mm-hmm. emotional support is right there with us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working with the family while she's working with the patient, mm-hmm. or we're mm-hmm. both, you know, with the siblings while parents are able to have a sacred moment with the child who's in the hospital bed. And I know that this is a, a, a real support because you didn't want to do this interview without Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> We were trying to get you to come, and you're like, okay, but Hannah has to come, too. <laughs> I did come as that. a team. Yeah, that's true. Yep. <laughs> I know you guys recently wrote a beautiful article for the Checkup Newsroom to help parents mm-hmm. who were trying to have those impossible conversations. Like, how do you explain mm-hmm. these things to your kids? And, I mean, no one knows really how to do those things. Um, what inspired you guys to write that article about, like, grief in the holidays? It kind of started with my 
12-year-old son. Um, he had a friend who recently died, and we and a bunch of his friends all got together, and to honor their friend's memory, they decided that they all wanted to buzz their hair. And uh, this was uh, a haircut that the child didn't have at the time of death, but for several, several years, that is what that child was known for. And mm -hmm. so they all came together, and they started, like, cutting each other's hair, and then we let the adults, like, finish it up. So right, right. a bunch of home buzz cuts. So sorry <laughs> to the middle school teachers that have to look at that. But we got in the car after that happened, and he just started bawling. Mm. And so I was like, what's going on? Mm. Easy to assume what was going on because mm -hmm. of the events that were happening. But also you can't afford to assume that when you're trying to care for someone. So mm. asking directly mm. is important. So okay. what's going on that's making you cry right now? And he just busted into tears even harder. And he was like, Mamo M died, mm. which his great grandmother at okay. the beginning of the year. And then a few months later, this friend died. And now this friend died mm. and I'm in middle school and it's a lot harder than elementary mm. school. And mm. this is just the worst year ever. I mm. thought being a kid was going to be fun. Mm -hmm. And it was just this compounded grief that mm. he was just mm -hmm. so freely expressing with me. Mm. And it was like, I know he's not alone in that. Mm. So I wonder how we can help others know that they're not alone in that grief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially at that age. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. It is really tough. Well, geez. Um, and and when you're thinking about grief, and, and I think that that's such a great point, we assume because your son is crying, we assume we know why. Mm -hmm. um, but to ask a poignant question. So help me understand, though, how does grief look in a child? What does that look like? Because I can't assume it's crying, you know, but mm -hmm. is there something else that we might see? Yeah, grief is really different for kids of all ages, um, especially based on their age and development. It can really affect what they understand about death, how they grieve. Um, we assume they might cry, but a lot of kids play through it. They'll come to the hospital and visit their brother or sister who's dying, and they're playing at the bedside. They're telling jokes. They're laughing. And it's really important to just validate that of every feeling's okay. Really? Yeah, okay. you're going to see mom cry, but you're also going to see her laugh and tell mm -hmm. stories. And mm. so it's okay to do the same. Okay. Um, but especially kids a lot of times just need to play it out. And we we see a lot. The siblings bring a lot of like comedic relief sometimes mm -hmm. to the <laughs> ICU um, because they are the ones joking and laughing. And it's part of their grief process. Mm. Um but it just depends on their age. You know, some kids, when they're younger, they don't fully understand what death means. Mm -hmm. um, they can't grasp the finality of that. Mm. Um, and so they might have a lot of fears that um, don't really make sense. They might have a lot of magical thinking, wondering, mm. did I cause this? Mm. Um, just a lot of a lot of unknowns for them of what is death yeah. and what does it mean for me? Um, they might regress a little in their behavior. They might become more clingy. Mm -hmm. They'll talk about it at random times. They'll walk up to the guy in the grocery store and say, my brother died, Yeah, <laughs> which wow. can be hard for yeah. parents. Yeah. Um, but that's just them trying to make sense of what's happening. Um, but then the older kids get, I think they start to understand it a little more, which can make them fearful of, am I going to die too? Is someone else in my family going to die? Mm -hmm. Um they might have more detailed questions about the death mm -hmm. or the person that died. They might want to know more about what happened. Yeah. Um, they 
they might cling to their friends or find an activity that helps them kind of distract themselves or work through some of their emotions. Um, So I think it's just learning for each child, like what does grief look like for them? It's going to change. It's going to be different per kid and Mm -hmm. for each different person. um, It'll change. So. Kristen, you're nodding mm-hmm. your head off. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it all. Yep. Sorry, I, I've seen it all. Uh-huh. The other thing I've found for younger kids, sometimes it's delayed. Mm-hmm. It's it like the grief is put off by like six months or so. Really, and that it, long? Yeah, like okay. it, like they'll they'll say, well, I I don't really think the death of grandpa is really affecting her all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, she's still going to school. She's doing okay. And then like maybe six months later, like. She's afraid to sleep in her own bed, and she's asking a lot of questions about mm. whenever grandma's going to come back, mm. and and then it all kind of mm. like spills out. Mm. Like so, it's it just looks so different mm-hmm. um, for kids. I think you just have to give them space to deal with the grief when they're ready, but and yeah. don't Absolutely. and don't take it personally, or don't think they're sociopaths <laughs> if they're not like just really sad because right. they, yes. they or mm-hmm. don't direct the grief. You mm-hmm. ought to be feeling like this mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people do. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys, you hold on to the the premise that we should be very direct about what happens. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we have such cutesy way of talking about death. Well, they passed along mm-hmm. or they, we, we lost them. It. Yeah, we, yeah. That we want to try to make it sound like they flew to heaven or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you guys believe that we ought to be talking in real terms. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It. It helps facilitate the grief process because it helps kids understand. So when we use all these euphemisms and um, we try to make it sound like it's all tied up in a neat package, Mm -hmm. we're telling them it needs to be tied up in a neat package. Don't talk about it because it makes people uncomfortable. Don't deal with it because Mm -hmm. it makes people uncomfortable. Well, death is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But it's a part of living. But it's a part of living. It's part of life. (laughs) Every living thing dies. And so part of our job as parents and part of our job as um, professionals within the pediatric setting is to not just teach them about life and death, but teach them how to cope when those things happen. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. the first thing we can do to help in that coping is be honest with them. Mm But we're not honest with ourselves. <laughs> Seriously. And the reason we use those euphemisms is for ourselves because uh-huh. it like softens a blow. Yeah. It, may, it doesn't make it sound as like final and tough mm-hmm. and hard as it actually is. Yeah. So-and-so died. Yeah. But for younger kids, especially if they don't even understand fully what death is, then hearing terms like they went to sleep, well, that could make them afraid to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. So those those euphemisms can cause a lot of fears or misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing I hear a lot is parents saying, well, I don't want to tell them or I'm not ready to tell them. And so one thing I always encourage is they're going to hear it somewhere. Yes. Um, maybe from a friend at school, social media, um, like someone is going to tell mm-hmm. them. And so it's better for them to hear honest, but truthful, but simple information from adults who they feel safe with. You don't um, want them to find out about right. like why so-and-so died mm-hmm. or that they died on the playground. Right. Absolutely. Right. That would, don't do that. And yeah. you don't have to give every single detail. Mm-hmm. You can say, you're right, they did die. Mm-hmm. And then if the child is okay with that answer, okay. Mm-hmm. You've answered their question. You've been honest with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't need to know every gory detail. If they start mm-hmm. asking questions, then let's figure out together what's appropriate for them in that moment and in that time, but still be honest, concrete, mm-hmm. specific. 
Mm-hmm. What are we doing about the funeral? Are we bringing kids? Mm-hmm. Should we not bring kids? Are we letting them stay at home? Do we make them go up to the casket? I mean, how does mm-hmm. that work? Because I've I've been in situations where people have, you know, drag kids up and you go say goodbye to grandma, you know, mm-hmm. and and I'm questioning whether you should even be in the room. Mm-hmm. I'm questioning, should I be in the room? <laughs> quite frankly, I don't like that. But, you know, yeah. it's, yeah, it's so, a great question. You know, what do you do mm-hmm. when it comes to that time of mm-hmm. closure? Do you make them go? I think kids need choices. Mm-hmm. Um, it. I think they need to be prepared for what they're going to walk into. What is a funeral like? What are they going to see? What emotions will they see in people? Will they see the body of their loved one that has died? Um, prepare them as best as possible and then allow them to make the choice. Of whether or not they want mm-hmm. yeah. I think you also need kind of an exit plan. Yes. Yes. Just in case. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Or like a have... person who can take them out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. if, if like, okay, we're going to try this. But if so-and-so is having a hard time, can the... Can the mom go or can it be just depending on who passed yeah. or whatever, you know, like it's okay like to have, change your mind. Absolutely. Yes, I have a designated person if the kiddo gets mm-hmm. overwhelmed. Because mm-hmm. I usually do that. <laughs> I need an exit plan. Sure. I really don't like going. I really don't like going to funerals. I really yeah. don't. I just don't. I mean, I understand that it's closure, but well, I just for mm-hmm. some people, like it's it. closure. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's not for everyone. And if that's not something that brings meaning to you, Mm-mm. it's okay that you don't go. Mm-hmm. What is meaningful? Is the relationship with the surviving family meaningful? Mm-hmm. Then send them a card. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you call them when it's the loved one who had just died's birthday or their anniversary or things like that. But closure looks different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it may or may not be going to the funeral. Yeah, yeah. I hear a lot of people say, what if they regret not going or what if they regret going? And I never do. Right. I, I mean, never do. That's a fair question as a parent trying to support a kid through this. But I think it's still important. It's their choice. And they may wish they had done something different years down the road. But kids know what they need in that moment. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be able to choose as long as they are prepared for what they're choosing. And yeah. if they and if they have that conversation 10 years later that they mm-hmm. regret, just say, "Hey, you made we all made the best choice that we could with the time that we had." Exactly. And that's mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. But then even that there's ways to revisit it. You yeah. Know, of like I wonder if you had gone to that funeral 10 years ago, what would you have said? Mm-hmm. What do you think it would have been like? And just mm-hmm. open their their minds to mm-hmm. wondering and kind of allow them to guide the conversation and the mm-hmm. thoughts of of what it could have been like versus their own experience. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that ends up being the closure Mm -hmm. that they need. Yeah. Quite frankly, um, uh, personally, I felt more closure going to the gravesite Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, bringing a, bringing some flowers or something and, Mm -hmm. and being there rather than seeing what I have to see when I'm in the funeral. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm, I'm more, it it really does bring a little bit more for me because it was for my parents when my parents died. Even then, I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Even then, mm-hmm. I didn't want to go. And that these are my parents, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But going to the graveside where they're both buried, I really felt some kind of connection that mm-hmm. this is good. You know, this is good. Here you go, Mom. Here you go, Dad. This is great because they're buried together. So that really, that was helpful. But anyway, mm-hmm. I'm not the child. <laughs> but 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 that's what's so hard about grief. I think so many times is that the parent is grieving and they're helping the kid grieve. Yeah. And yeah. so I, you know, and I'll I'll just heads up for parents. It I don't really know how I I've never had to navigate this situation. So hats off to you guys for help guiding. Yeah. This. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like um, 
But I, I have heard teenagers that are like, I'm afraid to talk about that loss because I know how upsetting it is to mom. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that's hard, right? Because yeah. they're a teenager and they don't know what to yes. do. And you're trying to protect the parent. The, the teenager. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that happens yeah. a lot. We even see mm-hmm. school-age kids starting to protect mm-hmm. their parents. From a young age, kids mm-hmm. feel I don't like... want mommy to cry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. it goes back mm-hmm. to us wanting everything to be in that neat package and mm-hmm. like it's not mm-hmm. in a neat package. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we encourage families to do though is when we start seeing kids holding back on expressing themselves for fear of upsetting their parents, mm-hmm. we talk to the families as mm-hmm. well and the adults and we're like, listen, we can teach them to not talk about this or we can encourage you to model healthy coping skills Mm. and so if they can see that you can be sad and it's okay and it's okay they're going to learn that it's Mm -hmm. okay to be sad if they can see you be angry and still be a productive human Mm -hmm. then they're going to learn to be angry Mm -hmm. and be a productive human Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of things that um, when you are in that mindset of grief and uncertainty that we can be modeling positive behaviors mm-hmm. for the children around us. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. It's mm-hmm. very Because you're also grieving. And you're also sad. Absolutely. And you're also a parent who wants to be strong for your kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear a lot is, I don't want to cry. I want to be strong for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we do talk a lot about it's okay to cry and show those emotions yeah. because not, it's teaching them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and not that it's different because loss is, well, loss is loss, but when you've lost a child, Mm-hmm. And you're a parent. It's it's a little different when you've you know lost mother who had been sick for a long time. It's still hard. No no lie, because right. my my mother was sick for a year and a half, and it was very very difficult when she, mm-hmm. when she when she died. Um, but um, you know, losing a child Mm-mm. that for me is a significance that would be so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And then how do you do that with grace and dignity? And do that in front of your other kids mm-hmm. and do that in a way that you're teaching and um, doing it so that they're okay. I, I, I it, uh, Nope, can't do it. <laughs> it's just not in my DNA. I don't know. I'm like, dear God, please do not take either of my children because he knows I can't do it. I, like, I just, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's a lot to ask. I can't. I don't know how. I don't know I, how. I think they you do have it. to have people who can support you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. that child. Absolutely. That you trust. Mm-hmm. That's where you guys come in, you know, to really help support the parent mm-hmm. and support the family. Mm-hmm. Well, even in this most recent death of my son's friend, one of the very first things that I did was I texted Hannah and I said, we are going to do something as a group of friends. Can you help me? Because I have mom hat on mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. This is the third significant death in my 12-year-old's life in the last 11 months. Mm-hmm. I need your help mm-hmm. in this yeah. because I'm not in that mind, spi- mind space right. to be like, well, as a professional, I would X, Y, Z. Yeah, you can't do it. Mm-mm. You know, my baby's hurting. I know, yeah. I know. And and the honoring, the honoring, how how big a deal is it to honor that person who has has died for a child? Again, depends on the kid. Yeah. <laughs> and the time and the development. Some kids find a lot of meaning in making sure that they continue to have that space at Thanksgiving where grandpa always sat. Mm-hmm. And then there's other kids who are like, you know, my sibling died. 
and we have pictures of them everywhere in the house, can we take those down? I don't want to remember that right now. Mm. And so it's really this navigating and kind Mm -hmm. of um, negotiating Mm -hmm. with the family of what do we need? What can we do? What's sustainable? Mm -hmm. What's realistic? Mm -hmm. um, And then meeting where the other one is in Mm -hmm. that moment. Because it could change, right? Like mm -hmm, the pictures need to come down now mm-hmm. but put them back up 18 months i'm in a better spot i really miss yeah. seeing those can we put those back up exactly mm-hmm. 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 And it's just like your your son and his group of friends did the buzz cut mm-hmm. that was honoring uh that 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 young person who passed away yeah. who died oh like that's ooh, what's really it's ingrained it's ingrained it's ingrained so yeah that's me. what's really neat yeah. about watching kids honor their loved ones is mm-hmm. that they're so creative in mm-hmm. it oh. like her, her son and the friends chose on their own to shave their head. Um, so things that as us adults we might want to do, it might look really different for kids. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite things when I'm working with siblings is tell me what's important to you. What what was your brother like? Um, what would you want to make that would help you remember them? What's something you want to do with them one last time? Um, we've had siblings throw a Christmas party in the middle of summer in an ICU room because <laughs> Christmas was their favorite holiday. Aww. And so they had Elf on the TV and all the Christmas it. decorations Aww. up and just celebrated Christmas one last time with mm-hmm. their sister. So kids kids are really creative and neat in how they want to remember and honor someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It must be hard to do this, the two of you. Mm-hmm. Every like, Kristen's like I, I, I don't his know. Mouth. I was like, could not do it. <laughs> how, not. how do you handle? How do you? How do you deal with this? Because this is, and you know, and I love Cook Children's. I love it to death. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. It's a great place to work. But there is a lot of stuff that happens there. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot of grief that happens there. There's a lot of loss mm-hmm. that's happening there. And how do you guys handle that on a daily, daily basis? Mm-hmm. And for our listeners who may not know, these ladies work in the ICU. So yes. if there was a kid that was mm-hmm. going to have a hard time and, and, and die, mm-hmm. I said it, say it mm-hmm. pass, mm-hmm. Um, it's most likely to be there. So you guys see and experience that every day. Yeah. So right. How do you it's do not it? easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thankfully, we have each other and a big team that understands what we see every day, which I think is huge. Like to Absolutely. look across the room and make eye contact with a nurse or a chaplain or someone you've worked with and make a facial expression that they get Mm -hmm. um, goes a long way to know like someone else knows what I'm experiencing today. And maybe we talk about it later. Maybe that look across the room was enough. Um, But the team that we work with is a huge support day to day. Do you debrief after? Yeah, we do. We do. So some of it is informal, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, all right, it's warm cookie Wednesday, let's go down and we're going to chat in the elevator and eat our cookie. Mm -hmm. Um, But also the spiritual care department often hosts formal debriefs so that anybody who participated in the care of that child can come and kind of work through what that situation was Mm -hmm. and also how it impacted us. Because yep. it can be traumatic. It can be very oh, traumatic. Yeah. Like watching, like mm-hmm. absolutely, it really, it impacts mm-hmm. the people who work with those yeah. kids. Like it, yeah. they take it, like absolutely take it home. You have to find some level of letting yourself feel and empathize and connect with the family while also protecting yourself to some degree mm-hmm. to keep doing it yeah. day to day to day. Mm-hmm. You have to find a little bit of disconnect while still connecting and empathizing with family. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of time that disconnect is just 
realizing that what is happening is sad, Mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily my sadness because Mm. that is not my child who Mm -hmm. is laying in that bed right now. Mm -hmm. It's sad. Mm -hmm. I I wish it it. wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. I feel that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's not my child. Mm -hmm. That's something I've learned is sadness and grief are two different things. Oh, So these families are grieving and it's terrible and I feel sad about it. Sure, some you connect more with and you might grieve a little bit of that loss. Mm -hmm. If it's a patient you've known for a long time, it might hit different. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've, yeah, I've had to kind of learn like it's okay to feel sad about it and I'm going to feel sad about it, but I can't grieve every loss. They're not my family member. They're not my friend. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not someone that I knew before this. And so that's helped me kind of find the balance of hopefully healthy emotions when working with those families of it's sad, but it, it's their grief, mm. um, and I can't carry that for them. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Something that has been very helpful to me that I didn't expect to be helpful was when we are, um, because we are with so many families and children who are sick and injured and dying, I coached toddlers soccer <laughs> and to see that's how, funny yes yes, yes. that it's creates hilarious. a yes. uh-huh. <laughs> that creates but a also visual. being able to keep that tension of what i see in and out every day mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. awful and hard mm-hmm. but that's not the case for the majority of the children mm-hmm. most kids get better and they mm-hmm. go home mm-hmm. and they continue to live the life that their parents and their families would hope for them. And so to be able to play with all of these healthy children um, outside and getting, you know, vitamin D and all the things that (laughs) um, playing outside with children allow for that, um, that's one way that I have found that has Mm -hmm. helped with my being able to continue to come back to this Mm -hmm. work. And you can do that during the day, too. Um, In the ICU, most of the kids leave the ICU and go home. And so we have a lot of kids who you can also play with or babies who are alone that want to be held. And you're and happy. Like, give me the, give yes, me the absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. one. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes, we, yeah. Sometimes I walk out of that room where a kid is dying and I'm like, okay, which one can I go play with yeah. now? Or which baby can I cuddle yeah. right yeah. now? They frown upon us intubating. But if somebody needs to intubate <laughs> and there's a crying baby, they're like, here. here. And so mm-hmm. we're like, come on, come on. Give me this baby. <laughs> Give me that baby. I love that baby. Oh, oh, that's really. Well, we're grateful for what you guys do. So Thank grateful. You. I don't know how you do it. I really don't. I know you told us how you did it, but <laughs> I, I just, just my person. I just, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, and and I think it's it's just so satisfying that we have people in the hospital who can support the families in such a way. Um, that you just don't think about because I don't, you know, in adult hospitals, okay, they do have chaplains, mm-hmm. but not to the extent, right? Not not getting in, mm-hmm. not diving into the extent, and they definitely don't have child life specialists. So they should, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they I've absolutely often, should. I've often said, I don't know why when I'm in the hospital I don't have a child life specialist. Listen, but, Hannah um, comes to my flu shot with me. I'm like, come on, girl. <laughs> I know. An adult life I know. specialist. Yeah. I know. We need <laughs> that. Needed. But but it's so it's so satisfying and, and and at least it's comforting to know that we've got those support roles that can help the families and help them walk through it. And I know that these families are grateful for that. I know that they are. Um because I've experienced families who've who've um had a loss mm-hmm. and have come back and said, mm-hmm. but thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but thank you guys because mm-hmm. you guys were 
awesome during this time and and go down the row of who said what, when and where and how mm -hmm. and how it impacted them. So I know mm -hmm. that they are grateful for what you guys do. Yeah. You see people, parents, kids, siblings on their absolute very worst day, Absolutely. like the worst day of their lives. Mm -hmm. And um, you come back to work the next day. And I really don't know how you do it, but I just admire you finding purpose in um, like helping families grieve in a really ugly, dark, terrible day. Time. Yeah. It's sacred. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people think mm -hmm. of darkness as mm -hmm. bad, bad, bad. But as a person of faith, I believe that God works in the darkness and is yeah. present in the darkness. Mm hmm just as God is present in other places. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so to be able to enter into that sacred space and to be able to accompany a family and accompany a child mm -hmm. as they are dying, sometimes we are the ones who are literally holding the children as they take their last breath. Ugh. That's sacred. It yeah. is. That is a gift it is. that we it get is. to partake in. It yeah. is. And it, Nobody else gets to do that. I mean, that's, and it's special. It's very special. It's mm -hmm. very special. Jeez. God, thank you so much for joining us today. I don't guess we have to talk much about what we're grateful. I know what I'm grateful for, and I just said it. What are you guys grateful for? You know, I kind of said this earlier, but talking about this just makes me grateful for a team of people who mm. get it and support each other day to day. This is not a solo job. It can't be a solo job. Mm -hmm. Um we do different things, but we also support each other through it. And I think that's huge. It is. There are hospitals that have a one child life program. I'm like, I don't know how mm -hmm. they do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have child life support. I have manager support. But my ICU team as well is so supportive. And that that's what gets you coming back mm -hmm. and doing it day to day. Mm -hmm. Building that trust, that trust you have mm -hmm. amongst each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Jennifer, what, what are you grateful for? I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> but... Ditto. Yeah, ditto. <laughs> um, but I am thankful for um, people that are willing to step into this space, even especially with, with my kid who's grieving right now, his friends and how they've been mm -hmm. able to support each other and how they push aside the awkwardness and just like, no, like, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. we're gonna bro hug like come yeah. on let's yeah. do it yeah. things that maybe they wouldn't have done even just a few weeks ago. Um, but I'm grateful for people who are willing to step into that space, whether it's personal or professional, mm -hmm. because it is a gift mm -hmm. and it is sacred. Mm -hmm. This thing, I I was I would say I'm grateful to my patients. Um, and similar to what you were saying about the sacred, I was thinking about it today because I'm always like, okay, Kristen, come up with something to be thankful for. <laughs> um, but I, I'm just grateful for my parent, for my patients for like sharing with me their joy and then also the really hard parts. And then like mm -hmm. having walked with a family through the really hard parts whenever they're doing really well, like it just makes that joy like so much more meaningful and it it just really touches me. So my, my patients being willing to share the good and the bad. Um, yeah, and just share that, mm -hmm. share it all. But yeah. I know a lot of people have bad things to say about healthcare, but healthcare can be a really special place. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, again, I'm just grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for Cook Children's that, that you know, really recognizes how we can help our patients and how we can help them transition through, you know, some of the hard parts. So, grateful for that. Anyhow, and on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Raising Joy. 
We hope you have a wonderful holiday season. And until next time, just breathe. Open up. You You matter. matter.